anything. Hello, listeners. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Guys, we gotta tell you, like, you do a lot for us, but we did something for you today, which is that we're halfway through Avatar. Yeah. And we stopped to record. We were eating a lovely dinner together, as we usually do before we we record, to get our sort of chakras aligned, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure we're in sync. And we were on Disney Plus, obviously, and we were like, what a joke would it be if we just, like, watched Avatar until we're done eating? And then we'll record, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then we watched so much Avatar. Well, we're like just at the crux of the of the like climax of the movie now. Yeah. So, so there's still half of it left. We're deep but... into it. We got an hour and a half deep. Yeah. So imagine if like this was the end of the movie and it was just like, and they kept studying the Navi. And yeah. That's the end of the movie. But I mean, that's. That could be a subject we're bringing to you, James Cameron's Avatar. But no, I just, we wanted you to know that our minds are elsewhere right now. Yeah, we both, like, we said to each other a couple times, like, okay, we have to stop watching Avatar. And but we neither kept of watching. us made the choice to stop. Yeah. That's the thing. So, so we're doing a lot for you today, folks, and I, and I hope, I hope you're happy. We're making sacrifices is what we're trying to we say. We all have to make sacrifices in life. But what other useless thing are you going <laughs> to talk about, Sam? Um, today I'm going to talk about Betsy DeVos. Ew. I know. Ew. No. It's no fun. I don't want to. What are you going to talk about, Al? What am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about goop. I'm so excited to ah! talk about goop. <clears throat> I'm thrilled. Um, I do want to say one more just piece of like uh, auxiliary material and then we'll go into actually recording the podcast you guys want to listen to. But um, in Allie's recording studio now is like, I think an Alexa that shows like all the headlines of the it's, day. It's a it's an Alexa video. Yeah, Alexa screen. My brother very kindly oh, bought it for us Alexa, for Christmas. So now it's mad at us. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Oh, she's awake. We wa- we awoke her. We awoke her. Um, but I just want to say, like, if she's listening, she's gonna get some really weird stuff <laughs> in this room. Did you just hear her? Yeah, she just turned off. She's our third co-host. Um, but also, it keeps showing things like. Iran conflict, and I keep getting distracted. Like, oh, God, I'm sorry. what it? You can oh, put, no. You can put my tiny out-of-date Christmas tree in front of Maybe it. Maybe I will. I'll just turn it you to the to. side. I'll turn her away from me. Chris loves it. Chris loves, like, <laughs> smart gadgets. Yeah. That's his favorite thing. If, if he had his druthers, they would be all over our house. But for um, now, it just has to listen in on our podcast. So today, it's going to learn a lot about Betsy DeVos. Mm, do we have to? I know. This is the first one where I've actively been, like, I'm good. I know. Well, <laughs> but so, I, I do I do dislike her for a lot of reasons, but I'm not super educated on why. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, me being a liberal cuck. Yeah. You know, being a sheeple. Yep. So let's get educated on why we hate this woman. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard because I did this research a couple weeks ago and I was like, there's a lot of bad things about Donald Trump, but today let's talk about one of his picks for his cabinet. But now, like, all the, these couple weeks <laughs> that have gone by, he's done, like, so much other stuff. Yeah, it's like, like... It's almost irresponsible to be talking about Betsy DeVos like she's the bad thing that Donald Trump has done lately. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Oh boy, oh... Ugh. Just because he's bad at one thing doesn't mean he's not bad at another. So, <laughs> we have been talking generally about how we don't love Trump. And we don't often on this podcast get into specifics. Because like... We as, don't want to. As much as we're two liberal cucks, like we're not really trying to go there with you. That's not fun. It's not fun for us. But it does feel like 
as like an extra fuck you to people who wanted some normalcy in government, when Trump appointed his cabinet, he appointed it just full of people who don't know what they're doing. Clown car. And a prime example of this is Betsy DeVos. So Betsy DeVos is the current U.S. Secretary of Education. She is not an educator, and she's never been an educator. So she was an unpopular choice amongst those who, you know, work in education. Um, Like myself. Yes. So today we're going to cover her background and then kind of touch on some of her biggest controversies since she became Secretary of Education. So just like a, a, a high level view of just kind of what's up with her. Yeah, let's fuck it up. What's going up with this lady? So... DeVos was born Elizabeth Prince on January 8th, 1515. She's very old. 1558. (laughs) 1558. 1958. She grew up in Holland, Michigan. She is the eldest of four children born to Elsa Zweep and Edgar Prince. Elsa Zweep, if you told me if I was like kind of drunk, like, oh, Elsa Zweep, Hitler's wife. Yeah. I would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just sounds kind of vaguely like... World War II-y. To me, she sounds like um, any sexy woman in a Mel Brooks movie who's played by someone very funny. Like, um, in Blazing Slattles, there's a character named Lily Von Stoop. Yeah, exactly. And that feels like Elsa's Weep is right in there with that kind of yep. name. But it's actually Betsy DeVos's mom. The, yeah, the gal pal in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. Um, and so um, DeVos's dad, Edgar Prince, is a billionaire industrialist and the founder of the Prince Corporation, which was an automobile parts supplier. Not so, the pasta. Not the pasta. I wish. Okay. Um, so as as a young person, DeVos was educated at all grade levels at Holland Christian Schools, a private school system. Um, she then earned a degree from Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it was a Bachelor of Arts in Business Economics in 1979. DeVos then married Dick DeVos, the former CEO of the multi-level marketing company Am- Amway. Oh, yeah, Amway. That's right. She's got that scam money, baby. Of course. Amway, <laughs> She's baby. She's got that pyramid scheme money. Um, just like kidding. Shamway, am I right? Amen. Uh, but no, she's an heiress in her own right. She doesn't need Amway money, but of she course. has it. If she needs it. Yeah, she's got the pasta money. <laughs> she's got the pasta money, and she has Amway money. Um, Betsy has been a Republican for forever, and she's been pretty active in the party since the 80s. Um, And she's certainly been involved in education. But remember, Betsy herself has actually never attended a public school. She grew up her whole life in the private school system. So most of her time as like an advocate for education reform has been spent advocating for not public schools. Uh, For example, she is a big advocate for Christianity in schools. Nope. In, I know, separation of church and state. Who's she? Um, in 2001s, um, she listed education activism and reform efforts as a mean to as a means to quote advance God's kingdom. No, which thank is, you. Which is not the reason I would like to change the education system, but go off, I guess. Um, she also said that quote changing the way we approach the system of education in the country really may have greater kingdom gain in the long run. If you talk about the kingdom <laughs> of God or heaven. You're a Jesus crazy person to me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be... 
not crazy, but like you go in my Jesus category mm-hmm. after that. You're like, oh, so that's what you're That about. doesn't mean I think you're a bad person necessarily, no. but you go right in my Jesus box. Like yes. that. that's like, oh, you're like a very Jesus yeah, person. Yeah, you're very Christian. Um, and she's also advocated for teaching creationism in schools, which is just fucking dumb. I'm sorry. Oh. Creationism, for those who don't know, oh. um, a lot of people feel that in addition to being taught that humanity evolved from like a couple of cells in a swamp at the beginning of time can't with this we should also maybe teach as equally valid the idea that like god came down and he created all of humanity and earth and everything in six days and then adam and eve and all that stuff this community feels those two ideas should be taught with like the same level of scientific merit. I'm so angry. I have so much to say <laughs> about that. Yes. And I have so much anger towards people who withhold knowledge and facts from mm-hmm. their children, and I really think it's a form of negligence in my opi- in my opinion as an educator, mm-hmm. like I think the withholding of world knowledge (laughs) about your body about earth Mm -hmm. about science in any way is negligent to children like if you want to grow up and believe that fine but if you're gonna purposely tell your kids something that we know as a society isn't true Mm -hmm. that's bullshit it's a little messed up bullshit to me And, and like i was not raised religious at all but i feel like i have to be in the majority still When I say that public schools should not be used to advance God's kingdom, uh, it should mostly be used to educate children, I think. Well, that's one, what's one side of things, Sam? I guess I'm just showing my point of view here, but that's what I think. Um, the thing that DeVos has fought very, very hard for is something called school vouchers. So... I've never even heard of this. Yeah, so it's, it's very connected with something that I know you know about, Al, but it's basically a certificate of government funding for a student at a school chosen. Oh, yep, yep. I know what this is. By the student or the student's parents. Yes, I know what this is. So basically, DeVos feels like parents should be able to choose any school for their child, and then if they want their kids to go to that school, and if it's like a private school or a charter school or a religious school, that is where their tax dollars should end up going. Is kind of the, is a very simplified telling of what. I am familiar with this. School vouchers are. So this is like a very divisive thing in the world. Proponents of the school voucher and education tax credit system argue that these systems promote like free market competition amongst both private and public schools by allowing parents and students to choose the school that their tax money will fund. So it's like all the schools get better because they're competing for like making kids want to go to them. Um, the, what does this say? Yeah, that's what I just said. Um, so because of that, proponents for the system say, like, it increases school performance and accountability because it's providing customer sovereignty, allowing individuals to choose what product they buy, as opposed to, like, the bureaucracy of you live in this zip code, so you go to this school, period, and that's where all your money goes, regardless of any other thing. It's, like, the same idea as privatized medicine in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. They share a lot of DNA. Yeah, of, of, like, the idea that there is, like well, if I want this, I should be able to choose it and therefore it should be individualized, not taking into account the larger implications that has on a community. Yeah, so that's the main critique of school vouchers and education tax credits is that they put public education in competition with private education and they threaten to reduce and reallocate public school funding to these private schools 
who can like kind of choose who goes to them, right? Yeah. So like not everyone necessarily can go to a private school if they want to. That's also an issue with charter mm-hmm. in some cases, but that's a very hot button, so I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so basically opponents of this question the idea that like private schools are more efficient or better and the national education um association and the national education association additionally argues that more money should go towards public education to help the schools that are struggling and improve schools overall instead of reducing a public school's fund to go towards more school vouchers so basically like instead of giving kids who are going to a shitty school an option of going to like a private school that is better we should be funneling money into improving the school that is not doing as well absolutely i think that's one reason why like a lot of people are surprised to realize that most often um except for in a small amount of cases public school teachers in like larger cities are paid a lot more than private school teachers Mm -hmm. that that tends to be the norm um often because like you need to funnel more money into teachers in public schools because there's so much more demand on those teachers. Yeah, they're so teaching to keep bigger classes. Teachers consistent, which is very important for kids to have consistency mm-hmm. in leadership and in their teaching and in their education. In order to have that, there's a greater need mm-hmm. for that that salary. Yeah. Um so there's there's a greater need for funds in certain places rather than others. Yes. So that's one example of that. Yeah. Um, and it's also argued that if we kind of implemented a voucher program without necessary safeguards that prevent institutions from discriminating against marginalized communities, obviously, that will have a really bad effect on those communities. Um, so in the United States, as of 2016, there are currently no state laws that require voucher programs to not discriminate against marginalized communities. Like, we hope they won't, but there's nothing on the books that says, like, you can't. That's awful. Um, And further, while some voucher programs are, like, explicitly aimed at marginalized communities, which lit, like, that's not necessarily always the case. And a common argument for school vouchers is it allows marginalized communities of color to be uplifted from poverty. But historically, data suggests voucher programs further segregate Americans. Yeah. So it's not actually, like, giving kids who are from marginalized communities who aren't in a good public school district more opportunity it is making kids who come from a public school district that is not as good and kids who come from a public school district that is way better, it's just separating them more and more. Which is not what we want. Um, And data shows that effects of the voucher program are marginal when it comes to increasing student achievement. So students aren't actually doing any better when they are under these voucher programs. Also, you have to take into consideration what people who are proponents of the voucher program consider achievement Mm -hmm. if it's testing or if it's literacy levels and you know rates of like further education or job training Mm -hmm. or you know rates of people who are incarcerated like there's so many factors that go into what works in education absolutely um and then one more argument against the school voucher system is that it has a real lack of accountability to taxpayers whose money is being funneled into Mm -hmm. these new schools So in many states, members of a community's board of education are elected by voters. Um, And similarly, a school budget faces a referendum. So that basically means if your kid is going to a public school, you are voting for the board of education that's running that school. You're voting for how the money for that school is spent. Like you have a level, not like a ton, but you have a level of determinism over like what's happening in that school. If they decide to make a major choice with the funds of a school... 
you can vote now. In theory, it could be voted against. Yes. Yeah. Or if there's a member of the Board of Education for that school that you're like, wow, I really don't believe in anything they say. Yeah. You can vote against them. You can campaign to have them taken away. Uh, by contrast, although vouchers may be used in private and religious schools, taxpayers can't vote on budget issues or elect members of the board or attain, attend board meetings for that school. So, like, even though your tax money is going to that school where your kid's going, it's a private institution. It doesn't owe you any transparency about what they're doing, how they're spending the money, what their choices are in the way that a public school does. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But like I said, Betsy loves school vouchers. Um, and seemingly her only involvement in education before her appointment as Secretary of Education was funding politicians who believed in these systems. Um, she is considered one of the architects for Detroit's charter school system, uh, which even charter school advocates acknowledge is the biggest school reform disaster in the country. Mm. Um, and this next bit is from the New York Times. Detroit is not only the lowest of low-performing districts on the math and reading scores, it is the lowest by far. One well-regarded study found that Detroit's charter schools performed at about the same dismal level as traditional public schools. The situation is so bad that national philanthropists interested in school reform refuse to work in Detroit. As someone who has studied the city's schools and used to work there, I am saddened by all of this. Oh my gosh. Is the praise. Like, it's just like so upsetting because like the only, the only people who are really suffering is those kids. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to just talk about like budgets and numbers and forget that like this is very tangibly impacting yeah. a bunch of kids. Every year that good choices aren't being made is a year that's impacting a student's life. Like think about like a year of your education. Like when you were a kid. Yeah. Seventh grade. Like yeah. that felt like this huge chunk of your life. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, it has real impact. Yeah. Um, and the quote goes on. The situation is not entirely Mrs. DeVos's fault, of course, but she is widely seen as the main driver of the entire state school overhaul. She devised Detroit's system to run like the Wild West. It is hardly a surprise that the system, with almost no oversight, has failed. Schools that can do poorly, schools there can do poorly and still continue to enroll students. Also, after more than a decade of Mrs. DeVos getting her way on a host of statewide education policies, Michigan has the dubious distinction of being one of the five states with declining reading scores. Oof. So that's her influence. The idea that reading scores could be declining as time moves forward is very upsetting. I know. So despite all this, she is now Secretary of Education. <laughs> so upset. <laughs> Why? Why? How? How? I know. I know. So now we're going to talk through some of her most controversial moves um, of this tenure. Because we just love drama here on this channel. Of course we do. This is a, a call-out channel. Number one, Betsy DeVos and campus sexual assault. Oh, this will be fun. So in September, um, DeVos rolled back a controversial Obama-era guidance on how universities should handle sexual assault complaints on campus. The 2011 guideline that Obama put in place had instructed universities to use a, quote, preponderance of the evidence standard when adjudicating sexual assault complaints instead of the clear and convincing evidence standard. Um, and basically that just means it was like a lower burden of proof right. was what Obama was saying, which that's some confusing language. And we could talk for hours about how the system of campus assaults is like so fundamentally built against victims. Yeah. But yep. Basically, he had, like, lowered how much evidence you needed to find someone guilty in this situation. Um, I think also, if I'm remembering cor correctly, it's, like, a lower preponderance of evidence 
to just make it a thing. Yeah. Like, to bring it to court and to make schools take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. And so DeVos decided to implement interim guidance allowing schools to decide which standard of evidence they use. So they can choose whether they want a ton of evidence or a lower standard of evidence. Seemingly on, like, a case-by-case business. And the move drew praise from advocates of students who say they were falsely accused of sexual misconduct um, or who had argued that the Obama administration's guidance had threatened due process rights. But victims' advocates condemned the rollback, warning it will further dissuade victims from coming forward to report sexual assault. Because if all you have is, like, your word... Yeah. And you know that that's not going to be good enough, why would you report? Yeah. Um, and ahead of the decision, DeVos had stoked controversy when she had had meetings on campus sexual assault in July, and she had spoken with victims of sexual assault as well as students who said they had been falsely accused. Um, and accused students were left feeling that they were, quote, finally being seen. Wow, um, that's the angriest I've ever been I know. the whole time we've been recording this show. <laughs> and, like, victims' advocates were just, like, the idea that you are so game for, like, talking about false accusations of rape and how bad they are. Like, it's a really outdated, outdated idea and it's a myth about yeah. rape. And it fuels this narrative that's, like, really negative. Um, and something that I'd like to say is that false rape claims are, like, not this epidemic that people think they are, and studies have indicated that only between 2% and 10% of rape accusations have ever been found to be, like, false. And those are of the ones that come forward. Yeah. Because we know that the majority of sexual assaults are that, not reported. that actually <laughs> happen are not reported. Yeah. So it's really much closer to the 2%. And some of these accusations that have been, like, labeled false are due to insufficient evidence or victims becoming uncooperative with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, like... They definitely didn't happen. Or it's like we couldn't move forward. Somebody goes to the police and they say that this happened and then they realize what they'll have to go through in order to get a conviction and they just recuse because yeah. it's easier to move on with your life. So what we're both saying is it feels like the system does not need to be overhauled to benefit. It's been proven time accusies. again that that is not like one in four women will be sexually assaulted. Yeah. If, if you're putting that on the same level as the one in four women who will be sexually assaulted in her lifetime, mm-hmm. you're a fucking maniac. Yeah. So that's that. So that's that. Let's get that down to one in five. <laughs> then we'll... No, no, no. One in ten. Yeah. Then we'll talk about then it. Then we can talk. Then, then, we, uh, then you can come back to us <laughs> and we'll happily have that conversation. Uh, now let's talk about Betsy and civil rights protections. Oh, so, God, I'm so tired. I know. <laughs> Civil rights advocates have cons- have consistently raised concerns about Betsy's commitment to enforcing protections for minority, LGBT, and disabled students. Basically, she has no commitment to doing those things. That doesn't sound like her. So early in the administration, the Department of Education and the Department of Justice rescinded guidelines that allow transgender students to use bathrooms aligned with their gender identity. <laughs> Um, They were like, you can't do that anymore. Uh, The department has said that withdrawing the guidance did not leave students without protections and the court rulings and other guidance documents should be used to enforce Title IX for all students. But transgender advocates have criticized the move as a step backwards, warning that it is clearly going to harm transgender students. Obviously, that's true. Uh, Later in June, an internal memo indicated that the department was scaling back investigations into civil rights violations at public schools and universities. So they're just, like, not going to investigate the ones that were ongoing. Um, And in the two months that followed, the department also closed or dismissed more civil rights complaints than previous administrations had in similar periods of time. 
The department has said that it is striving to address the large backlog of cases and therefore like working quickly to address individual campaign complaints on a case by case basis. Um, but it's also easing back on Obama administration requirement to broaden investigations to identify systemic issues. It's like, we're just going to figure out what happened in every single case. We're not going to look into like if one school has 10 cases against them, yeah. if it's a big problem. How do we see patterns? How do we make trainings better? How do we make people more aware of systemic issues? Yeah. Like that's how change actually happens. So like Betsy DeVos's office is not interested in looking into that. Yeah. She's interested in like clearing the deck and moving forward being like, uh. well, whatever, which uh, is fucked up. And uh, some civil rights advocates also raised red flags when the department rescinded guidance outlining outlining the rights of students with disabilities as part of the Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act. Um, the, but the department said students would not be affected and the guidance was rescinded because it was outdated, unnecessary, or ineffective. And then, um, like, it was just, let me reread this just so I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, so um, Thomas here, who supervised the impl implementation of this as director of the Department of Education's Office of Special Education Programs from 1993 to 1999, like he admitted some of the documents maybe were good to rescind, but others had provided important clarification to schools and school districts. Um, and he said, quote, the statute is pretty complicated. If you have a child and you're trying to figure out what this means for my child, you want that explained in clearer language. Yeah. So they've taken away all that language, basically. Wow. Which, great. I'm going to skip this one because it's just like, what's going on? There's so much going on. Um, and then the other thing that DeVos loves is a for-profit um, university. Yeah. Trump you, am I right? Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We're so, living in uh, an SNL sketch. I know. So DeVos blocked the Obama and its administration's protections for students attending for-profit colleges. Um, which something is something that Michael Apple, a University of Wisconsin education professor and a national education policy fellow, said was, quote, truly, truly major in its impact. <laughs> so the regulations, which were set to take effect this year, would have provided debt forgiveness to students defrauded by for-profit colleges and would have cut off funding for for-profit colleges that burden students with loans while failing to prepare them for gainful employment. DeVos said that the rules created, quote, a muddled process that's unfair to students and schools and puts taxpayers on the hook for significant costs. But, like, these people were defrauded, so okay. Um, a ton of Democratic attorneys general in 17 states, like, are urging her to actually go back and enforce these regulations, but she's just kind of like, no, I don't want to. Um, and that same guy from before... Um, Michael Apple said, it is clear that commercialized and for-profit colleges and universities are being let off the hook. There's much less accountability. That actually is a very significant change. So I feel like the theme with Betsy's policies is like less is more in the worst way possible. Like she's just rolling back all these protections that exist for all these different types of students who need help, who need guidance who need, like, accommodation for stuff that's going on with them. And she's just like, what if we just made everything easier for money? Yeah. And focused a little bit less on people in the education system. 
I think also like uh, angry old men yelling at clouds and watching Fox News mm-hmm. have this idea that liberals are just going around slapping rules on everything for like black people and queer people to give them all the stuff Mm -hmm. and that's just what's happening every other day it is so so hard to get protections for things like this put in place for anyone in the margins of any kind Mm -hmm. it is so hard to drag that through congress and like all the all the rigmarole that it takes it takes a fight and it takes a really significant cause Mm -hmm. and so to peel it back completely ignores the fact that a bipartisan system bipartisan yeah yeah that a bipartisan system approved it it got through that nonsense Mm -hmm. and clearly had a a purpose Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so that's infuriating, and, like, I just feel like um, Republicans think that that's just happening, like, for kicks and not out of a necessity yeah. for people who suffer without them. Yeah. Which is infuriating. Yeah. And my shoulders are tense. So everyone vote. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam closes her computer. <laughs> everyone should vote this year. This year, 2020. Yes. I'm Holy shit. I'm co- I'm covered in rage, but I'm thank you for that because sometimes it's not um like an easy fun thing to learn about things that are hard, but you need to know them anyways so that you're not just like you know, somebody being like, "Ugh, that's bad." But yeah. like really knowing why it conflicts with your values. Yes. So you're really good at doing that. I really admire that about you. Oh my God, thank you. I'm horrified that I had to learn all that. Yeah. I'm going to erase it from my brain. I I mean, I'll say it. Like my my preference is to just yell about the things I know are in conflict with my values because other people have told me that. Yeah. Which is everyone's preference. Of course. But we can't like lower ourselves to that level of just like jumping in with the crowd. Like we need to have opinions and then have new opinions come Mm -hmm. in. And then educate ourselves about that opinion. So, good work. Thank you very much. I think also I'm anticipating some good work you've done. Oh, well, I mean, mine's going to be more kind of culturally and politically relevant. Yeah. Than your nice little, you know, fun thing. I read like a little listicle, but we're about to hear some journalism, people. I saw a little orange light. It happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. I told you. Um, It's fine. Yeah, no, I mean... Let's, should we just get into it? Let's There's a go. a lot to cover. I'm worried I took too much time on this inconsequential <laughs> DeVos story. I think I could do this in 10 minutes. When we need to speak um, about Gwyneth. We gotta talk about Gwyneth. <laughs> Ladies, we gotta talk about Gwyneth. You know that we are famous. Worldwide. Yes. For keeping our fingers on the pulse of current events. Mm-hmm. My finger is exhausted. We've from staying on that pulse. We've broken so many stories here on I'm Horrified Podcast. So when I went on Twitter and saw an advertisement for a Gwyneth Paltrow goop Netflix show, <laughs> it was like Jesus reached through my phone, handed me a jade vagina egg, uh-huh. and said, This is your podcast topic for this week. What is the opposite of phallic? What is the female equivalent, the vaginal equivalent of phallic? Vagic. No. It can't um, be that. But th- there's got to be a word because that's what the Netflix... Ovular. Ovular. It really was. This ad. 
for Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop TV show. I don't think that that's right either. That can't be right. But I'm I know. Briefly Google. <laughs> you looking it up? You you just keep talking. But yeah, I mean, I I had no choice but to be obedient to this Christ-like offering. So let's tear this bad boy wide open, shall we? Yes, please. So what is Goop? Well, Sam, to be legally honest with you, it is nothing. <laughs> But some have called it a lifestyle brand, including themselves. So let's go with that. Lifestyle brand. That's like the most nothing phrase. That's like a nothing thing. It doesn't mean anything. We all just keep saying it, but nobody knows what it means. If you watched um, Parks and Rec and you remember Annabeth Porter... And she That's had what this is based a lifestyle off of. brand named Bluesh. Yeah, something like or that. Or something. Bluesh. 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 <laughs> this is Bluesh. But this in real is Bluesh. Um, it's happening. Goop was birthed into existence in 2008 as a weekly email newsletter. <laughs> Do you remember 2008? God, it was so long ago. I talk about it on here so often. Um, and the draw was that Gwyneth Paltrow, our girl Gwyneth, the producer of this email newsletter she did like an editor's note at the bottom of this email mm-hmm. every week um so like it's just like had her thoughts and musings about god knows what and it started as a combination of like nutrition so there would be like recipes and meal ideas and like pictures of yogurt and lifestyle concepts about like new yoga poses mm-hmm. to try at your desk and like you know, like cupping the new trend. You know what I mean? When yeah. that was a thing. You have those and big round bruises. Yeah. And like rejecting negative energy. Love it. The Love kind it. of stuff your mom would send you on Facebook. Love all of it, frankly. Fine. Send me the yoga pose I should be doing at my desk. Fine. It was It was just another, yet another email newsletter for white women in America. Absolutely. We did not have enough. No. <laughs> in 2008, there were not enough. That's probably true. Uh, fun fact, the brand was named Goop because Gwyneth Paltrow heard from Peter Arnell, who's apparently this like big shot branding marketing person, very important, that all successful companies have two O's in their name. The only thing that I could think of was Google. Is yeah. there another one? Am I missing one? Yahoo? No. <laughs> No, that doesn't count. It's got two O's, right? He was just saying Google has two O's in it, so that must be it. <laughs> I think it's the fact that they have, like, trampolines and stuff in their offices. Amazon? <laughs> We're gonna move on. Um, also, I think it's, like, a play on her initials, like, GP. Oh, GP and then two O's, so it's successful. That'll do it. Makes sense. That'll do, pig. So, as the Obama years wane on, so does Goop. The website grows, um... Oh, no, I skipped a paragraph. (laughs) So in 2009, it's trending. It's got a couple hundred thousand subscribers. People are loving it. Wellness trends are all the rage. Obviously, it's 2009 now. This is when they launched their actual website. And at this point, it was still just articles and recipes. It's just like on an actual website. And Gwenny Gwen is, like, selling her cookbooks. Great. She's very hot right now. She's probably, like, guest starring on Glee or Mm -hmm. something. Um, And she's kind of building a reputation in the nutrition world, but only in, like, a Kris Jenner on Instagram kind of way. Yeah. Like, not really, but kind of. Yeah. Um, And she's still kind of in her heyday. So Mm -hmm. she's still kind of a public figure. So as the Obama years wane on, so does Goop. Website grows and grows. And they start recommending products. And then they start selling certain products. So at first it's like, here's a list of all yeah. the things you're going to get your mother-in-law for Christmas. Yes. Top and 10 then, things in Gwyneth's yes. bag. Yes. And then they start 
like actually having e-commerce on their website and then they go from like just boutiquing items to making lines of their own like a skincare line etc and Gwyneth is the face of all of it continually um, but there is an actual staff and media company behind the brand so as it grows it's becoming like an actual company and the increase in popularity swells um, and as this happens there's also an increase in what we would call you cannot call it journalism, but you can call it maybe advice. Mm -hmm. That also seems too formal and too <laughs> inaccurate of a word. The site starts increasingly becoming a source for alternative wellness and medical practices. Mm -hmm. Well, not medical, but like health practices. Health practices. Um, to the point where people start asking where on earth this information is coming from. <laughs> And I just won't say. <laughs> so let's get crazy. Can we get crazy? Uh, anytime with you, Al. We're going to play a game. Okay. You know I love making you do things. I love when you make me do things. On air without telling you what we're doing. I'm going to tell you a product. Uh-huh. And you, Sam Buntich, Samantha Nicole Buntich, mm -hmm. named after Nicole Brown Simpson. Perhaps. Do you guys know that? Have we told them that? <laughs> Tweet at us if you haven't heard that story and I'll tell it next week. No, we have. Okay. Tell us if we've told you my the, the fact that i think that sam's potentially potentially named, named after nicole brown after simpson, nicole brown simpson. <laughs> tweeted us if we've told that story if not i will tell it next week okay um i want to tell i won't um <laughs> all right so i'm gonna say a product uh -huh. you're gonna tell me how much it costs some of these are like in the ten dollar range some of these are expensive luxury products luxury products absolutely uh, all right. Should we start? Yeah. Just exciting. Yeah. I think I'm going to be great at this. All right. Um, bath salts made out of mustard. Start low on this one. 30. No, $12. All right. See, you don't know. Affordable. Affordable. A pillow designed exclusively for sexual intercourse. In what way? <laughs> I won't tell you. What is it? It's like, it like a triangle. It looks like a triangle. Oh, so you, you put it under your, yeah, like, your hips. Yeah, it just looks like a, a therapeutic pillow. $60. $95. Okay. And it's like a foot wide. <laughs> so that feels weird. Vampire repellent. This is real. Again, I need a little bit more detail. What is that? I can't give you any. Is it a spray bottle? They didn't give me any. Is it a necklace? Yes, it's a spray bottle. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a spray <laughs> bottle of some type of liquid. A vampire repellent. $40. No. Bargain. Bargain. $27. <laughs> um, 18 karat gold dumbbells, which I assume are not for exercise, but something else. $100? $125,000. What? A gold necklace that's also a vibrator. I've seen these on the internet. Um, <laughs> and I'm always like, I haven't been that horny. Like, I've been horny, but not so horny that I was like. I need to rip something off my body and <laughs> get to, to town. Get to it. Um, necklace turned into a vibrator. Uh, $115. $149. Okay, I'm close. Perfume for your printer paper. Elwood's. Exactly. Is shaking right That's now. That's exactly what I Perfume thought Perfume for your printer paper. Um, 50 bucks. No, it's $13. See, you never know. I really don't. You never know. Okay, a silver press designed to squeeze... Your toothpaste bottles. So it's kind of like a pasta press. Oh. But it's smaller and you put your toothpaste in it and it gets all your toothpaste uh -huh. out. Adam and I have something like that, but it's just a plastic thing. You scooch up your toothpaste and it was $2. Um, this one, I'm going to guess, was 25 
But the Perinder perfume was only 15. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Um, stickers that relieve anxiety. I would pay anything. <laughs> <laughs> how much would you, Sam Buntage, how much would you pay? I don't even care about how much they actually cost. How much would you pay for stickers that relieve anxiety? No. That genuinely no, relieve no, no, anxiety? No, 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 no. Stickers that you're being marketed that they relieve anxiety. Um, you don't know if they do or not, but you're willing to take a risk. Do I have like a friend of a friend? I would say $10. I would say $10. I would, I would pay $10. I bet you'd pay more. If I really thought they might work, I'd pay 25 To, I, to try them. Yeah. To try them and see. I will say that I think I wouldn't that buy them again. You're a very smart lady and much smarter than me in a myriad of ways, but I do think you're 5% <laughs> more of a sucker than I am. Oh, I would say I'm 12% more. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're $120. They're hu- the anxiety stickers are the $120? The anxiety stickers, yep. Um, I mean, if there's like a Xanax yeah, stuck they, on they each one of them, be, fine. There um, better be fucking Coke in there. All right, now... There are two Yanni eggs, mm-hmm. which are eggs for your hoo-ha. They got, this is what kind of- We have kind to explain of, more what a Yanni I'm going to explain okay. it. So this is what kind of set Goop ablaze, because people were like, what? This was the first meme. So basically, it's like a solid rock mm-hmm. egg shape mm-hmm. that you put up your- Up in you. Up in you. Up in your lady bits. And um, it's meant to, like, I don't know, strengthen your yoni, your womb. Your womb. It's meant to, like, give you strength from within. It's not even, like, a physical, like, Kegels or anything like that. It has nothing to do with no, that. No, you just, like, have it in there. I think maybe they're, like, it could strengthen your pelvic floor, but not really. Um, uh, and you know what? I'm just going to tell you the price of this one. There's a jade one and a rose quartz one, and it'll set you back between 55 and $60, depending on them. Wow. Have you ever um, seen, um, we can cut this out. Jamie Loftus did a really funny video where she does, like, a vagina steam in a young yes, egg. It's yes, so, I have seen it. It's, it's hysterical. So, um, so everyone should go watch that. <laughs> um, so now we all have a sense of what they're selling at this crazy Willy Wonka yard sale that they're running. It really is Wonka-esque. Um, super dumb, super pretentious rich people stuff. Which is all, like, completely useless nonsense, but it's, is it hurting anyone? Are we hurting anyone? Depends on your feeling not about so yacht eggs. Yeah, not so far, really. <laughs> Um, Some people say Yanni eggs are unhygienic. I would say that. Um, well, it turns out, yes, it's hurting someone. It's hurting all of us. Some might say, the law might say, <laughs> that a brand profiting off of claims of wellness and nutrition cannot provide information to their community that is misleading, unsearched, or false. So those items may not necessarily be the problem, but here are a couple of problems. Mm-hmm. I got another list for you. I'm sorry. I'm full Give of lists today. Give me one more. Today. List um, me up, baby. Here's some of the things that Goop has suggested to their community over the years from a nutritional standpoint, speaking from a place of authority, right. whether that be one of their experts, whether that be an Eastern medicine practitioner, mm-hmm. and they use that word very loosely, by the way. We'll get Fun. back to that. Um, and this is all collected by a Business Insider article they did. And I'll tell you how likely I would be to try it. (laughs) All right. Stinging yourself with bees for health purposes. I could not for the life of me figure out what the health purpose was. I was going to say, what health purpose? Um, uh, 7%. 7, you'd do it 7%? We have a close friend who's very allergic to bees. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't sting her with bees. The Business Insider article was like, don't do this. (laughs) Um, the fact that underwire bras cause breast cancer. 20%. 20%. Stop. Because what if they're constricting blood The blood? American <laughs> Cancer Society says that it's bullshit, and okay. I trust them because I, trust I, them. I think I have a set-up um, donation to them in my phone. Nice. 
Um, and the same person who wrote that also wrote that negative energy changes the me- molecular structure of water. Of water? Mm-hmm. No, 1%. No. Um, <laughs> all right, the idea that detoxing actually removes chemicals from your body. How much do you believe that? Sam. <laughs> well, it's like... Her face was just like, wow. <laughs> no. Well, I, like, I don't it's know It's not. On. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't take chemicals out of your body. Well, then what, why nonsense. are you calling it detoxing if it's not detoxing Because you? it's just, you're drinking, like, cayenne pepper and water. Okay. That's not anything. I guess that's not it. That's a nothing idea. Okay. All right. Vaginal steaming balances your hormones. How much I, would you try that? I don't believe that because I know that you should just let your pH be what it is down there. Unless something's really out of whack. Keep the nonsense out of your vagina area. All right. Jumping on a trampoline is healthier than running. I would like to believe that's true. 40%. I believe that you'd believe it so that you didn't have to run. Yeah. Um, sunscreen gives you cancer unless it's mineral sunscreen, which of course they sell. 10%. No. <laughs> because, like, I guess I don't know what's in my sunscreen. Everything can kill you a little bit. They used to think cigarettes were fine. Sometimes I get the one that Jennifer Garner makes for babies. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right. Colon cleansing should be a consistent part of your self-care routine. That's the last one. I don't think I believe that. Is that one true? <laughs> yeah, that one is true. Oh, no, no, it's not true. <laughs> All right. So why did they do that? Why do they do this? Why are they doing this to us? Why not just sell your $500 typewriters that are meant for your feet or whatever it is that they want to do? Why are they parlaying into... Advice. Advice about wellness and health. Don't do this. It seems like a wave of trouble. Why are they doing this? Yes. The answer, I think, lies in a truly fantastic article on Jezebel by Stassa Edwards called Wellness, Womanhood, and the West, How Goop Profits from Endless Illness. Um, And it's a fantastic um, article. And it's a little tough of a concept to grasp at first. Like at first I thought it was going to be something and Mm -hmm. then it really turned into something else. And it really made me think about goop and things like goop in a very different way. Oh, cool. Which I really enjoyed reading about. Um, so I, I very much suggest that you all read it for yourselves, but the, the premise that she kind of, the narrative that she paints basically is that they're selling a narrative primarily to women, really to women, Mm -hmm. um, that all of your anxieties and concerns and problems in your life, everything that you want to solve deep down is coming from an illness that can be cured. And they can cure you because they reject Western ideology and medicine. The Western concepts are what's making you stressed out and it's not natural and Eastern practices are what's natural and, you know, you need to get back to your natural state and we're going to show you how to do this through our products. Mm. But in order for us to sell you that second part of the narrative, we need to sell you on the idea that the things in your life or in your body that don't feel quite right. It's not about, you know, eating and exercising intentionally, listening to your body, drinking water, doing, going to the doctor, doing the things doctors say, you know, tending to your needs. It's not about that. (laughs) It's about this whole other host of stuff that's much more enticing and foreign and Mm -hmm. exotic. Um, so that's the idea. It's like they, they are the only ones who can cure you because they have this cocktail bastardization of Eastern practices and modern know-how. Mm-hmm. And you, as an empowered woman, 
you're smart enough to grasp both of them. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you're going to ascend to be Gwyneth Paltrow, basically. And that's really appealing. And and it is appealing. It's very appealing to white women. Yes. <laughs> um, that's I what think... I'm saying. As a white woman who is afraid that people are not going to believe me when I say stuff or and or who doesn't want to investigate the stuff that's really hurting me because I'm afraid it'll be bad. The idea that I could just like get some crystals get and a it'll crystal be great. and I'll feel better is yes. very appealing. It's very appealing. And I think it's the, not good, but it's appealing. I think there is also an underlying racism in there. Yeah. This idea of like fetishizing the quote unquote East. (laughs) Like that idea is very harmful. Mm -hmm. It's a very long-standing trope of, oh, like foreigners are, you know, completely useless except they're wise. So we have to take all this wisdom into account. We see it in movies, we see it in music. It's literally reminding me of like Avatar, where it's like We see it in Avatar. They're savages. Absolutely. connected with spirituality that's the plot of in that movie like Gwyneth Paltrow's like great-granddaughter is like the Navi culture knows (laughs) that reducing stress helps to make your eyelashes grow or some shit but it's it's this combination of like (laughs) that underlining fascination fetishization of um you know eastern cultures um and I, I say eastern because that's that's the vagueness yeah. with which yeah we can't get more people are thinking about it but that's also a problematic thing to say because it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense yeah. um uh and, and the idea that yeah you don't have to face the truth that there's some things that are always going to be difficult and some things are a lot simpler than you want to admit mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you got to go to the doctor you got to treat it and then and, and, uh, like I am, you know, I'm a plus size woman. I've struggled with my weight all my life. Like, and I've had health problems too. Like it, uh, there is a lot of judgment out there. It's hard to, to grapple with it, especially it's hard for me as like um, a thick woman to deal with the fact that like I am worthy of love and respect and to be a person, but also the fact that it's very important for me to be healthy and make healthy choices and make changes that are in line with my values. Uh, side note, that's my conversation with myself. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jillian Michaels can fuck off about Lizzo. Amen. Lizzo is a god. Oh um, god. That's just a separate, that's a separate little that's, slice for you. That's ya. an episode and a half from now. But yeah, like, I get that that's a difficult, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get that that's difficult to tackle, but this is not the solution, and it's rooted in a ton of harmful shit. So we gotta not, mm-hmm. we can't do it. Um, And I'm just going to read you a quick um, excerpt from her article because I really love it. Um, So she writes, At Goop, everything from cell phones to shoes, flying to surgery is a potential source of danger, but it's particularly dangerous for women. Goop treats its wellness content with a certain feminist flair, one that hints at empowering women stripped of their health, and by extension agency, by Western medicine that arrogantly refuses to acknowledge their pain and resist the common sense solutions of goop, goop experts. The so-called epidemics, the site is always clear to note, disproportionately affect women. Paired with the rejection of Western medicine is another thread that runs through Goop's coverage, that modernity and medicine have ruptured a sense of real womanhood grounded in alternative medicine's concept of naturalism. Mm. So, like, there definitely is a conversation about, you know, how you live your life and, you know, 
what feels natural to your body and what is a way of coping that's not necessarily serving you and your body and your mind. Mm -hmm. But they kind of co-opt that conversation to sell sell $100 face wash. Yeah, that's fucked up. And that's bullshit and I'm not having it. (laughs) Because that is a really important conversation to have. We should be, like, this is the thing is, I'm not going to say we because if you're, if you are not in the place right now to be tackling certain aspects of your self-care, don't. Yeah. <laughs> do what you can do. Do you know what I mean? But like for me, it is important for me to think about what's a good choice for my body. It is important for me to think about what I purchase, like, you know, what I put into my body, what I put on my body, what I put on my hair, what I, you know, put in my mouth, what I brush my teeth with. Like, yeah, like that's something that it makes me feel good and it makes me feel grounded to to give that stuff some thought. But like they're doing it in a capitalist shitty way. Yeah. And that's, it's just so unfair, like, because that is, that's a special thing that you have with yourself is that kind of narrative that you have with yourself about what's helping you and what's not helping you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And that's kind of, God, that has so much to do with the Lizzo, Jillian Michaels conversation. I can't get on a tangent. We don't have time. But do you know what I'm saying? I do, and it's hard because you can agree with things that like a corporation is saying to you, or you can even like their products and they work for you. But like you can like their yanni eggs if you want to. A corporation doesn't care about you. They do not care about you. you. They do not care if they're helping you. They do not care if what they're saying necessarily is true. They a corporation cares about making money. Period. Period. Yes, that's what they care about. Absolutely. Some of them are trying to do it ethically. Some of them aren't. But ultimately, end of the day. They don't care that the Yanni egg changed your life. That's a that's absolutely the point, Sam. Thank you. So thank you for getting to it. So thank that's you. that. You d- we did it. We did it together. You can still say your summary. I'm sorry if I stole your. No, topic. I don't. I my summary is like four sentences. That's it. You're right. That's it. That's exactly what I was getting at. Um. So that's that. <laughs> I feel like I. No, I literally, like, I I was like, that's what I was trying to talk about. I like that better. What was I going to say? No, I didn't say anything. I was just like, that's all, that's goop. I literally wrote, that's all, that's goop. (laughs) Because I was just like, yeah, and that's shitty. But I think you you put the pinpoint on it. So that's very helpful. Oh, the last thing I was going to say is that, yes, Netflix and goop are doing something. Why? Yeah, what could it be? We'll figure out at the end of the month. I God in heaven knows what it is. I can only hope it's but like um, for a while, a while ago there was a Netflix show that I loved. This was like a couple years ago, and I think I watched it with you too, Al. And it was about a sex toy store in England, and oh. they're doing like online orders, and it was just oh, about like the yes. adorable English employees in their factory who would have to like deal with the dildo returns that or, like, talk to people on yeah. the phone about like which butt plug they should buy and they were just like so happy and british and it was like the best show i remember genuinely loving that show. that was so funny it and was... so sweet and sincere i hope the goop show is just like that because i remember like a little old lady like calling back and being like oh like why didn't you like this well you know what in that case this would be a really good product yeah. for you i think you'd really like that and they'd be like, like oh my god but they'd like and they'd so non-judgmentally and like calmly be like oh well darling i think that in that case you're gonna want the spreader bar yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Like, very sex positive, but, like, in a grandmotherly way. And I can't explain how that's comforting, but it was. was. I I don't know what that says about us, but here we are. And my favorite was the return department. (laughs) Yeah, the return department! And they'd be like, okay, what's happening today? And they'd be like, we get a lot of these back, and it'd be like an 18-inch dildo. And they'd be like, yeah, people don't like this like they think they will. Another day, another dollar, (laughs) am I right? Um, Another day, another dildo. 
All right. Speaking of which, Adam thank you guys so much. <laughs> yes, you can still um, buy sex toys on the internet with our adamandeve.com code at checkout, H-O-R-R-O-R. That's uh, checkout code horror, H-O-R-R-O-R. There you go. Um, shoot us one of your your horrified stories um, at I'm horrified podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at I'm horrified pod. Come hang out with us anywhere on the interwebs that you like. And until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified.